when someone was to ask you, when are you going to have your next five day fast, then you probably don't have an immediate answer to give. Um, yeah, let's do it right now, right away. Come on, don't bullshit me. Even though fasting for extended periods of time is part of the history of humans, we don't experience these periods of food abstinence anymore. You can eat whatever, wherever and whenever. Is it any good? Definitely, it's, it's good to a certain extent. The problem is that most people tend to fall victim to their primal urges and eat all the time. Which may not lead to obesity or diabetes per se, but it can still cause some emotional addictions to food. Fasting's been used as medicine and as a therapeutic method against many diseases in the past. In ancient Greece, it was thought to cure abominations of the flesh, including obesity. In religious practices, it's used for spiritual as well as bodily purposes. In modern society, there are some who do it just for fat loss, but to also clean and heal the body. And so have I. One day, I was about to face four days of traveling to Finland, and I thought, why not practice some hardcore fasting during that trip? I was thinking, alright, I haven't had a longer fast in a few months, so let's take advantage of this opportunity. Sold. Welcome to the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast, I'm your host Simland, and this episode is gonna be about my 5 day fast, which lasted for 120 hours. I'm gonna walk you through my experience and give you some of the core principles of fasting for such a long time. Body Mind Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Okay, my current eating regimen already incorporates a lot of intermittent fasting every day. I eat most of my calories in the evening within a 2-4 to four hour time frame. It's, it's the one meal a day diet with a small twist. Then I have several 24 hour fasts a month and 2-3 to three day fasts at least once every quarter of the year. Research has shown that fasting for up to 3 days boosts stem cell growth, raises ketone bodies in the blood, bolsters the immune system, increases fat oxidation, cleanses the body through a process called autophagy, reduces blood sugar, insulin and inflammation levels drastically. What? I think like fasting truly is this miracle drug that can work against many ailments and illnesses, starting with your ordinary, I'm carrying a few extra pounds, all the way up to full-blown brain cancer. The reason I decided to have a 5 day fast was that it kind of fit into my schedule quite nicely. I had to do some traveling and I wouldn't have had access to quality food sources. For me, that's a perfect situation as I'll get in my extended fast and I'll avoid all the potentially harmful calories that I don't need. Fasting also fights jet lag so it's a huge hack. In fact, I prefer fasting and staying hungry rather than eating some random unhealthy meal on the go without much nutrition. Your body from a physiological and metabolic perspective would also be better off with avoiding all calories altogether as to drive yourself into deeper ketosis and autophagy rather than nibbling on some dried out lettuce wraps or croissant from a fast food restaurant. At first, I was just planning on doing a 4-day alternate day fast, with 48 hours fasted, followed by a small sub 600 calorie ketogenic meal, continued by another 40 hours of fasting. However, at the 36 hour mark, I was thinking to myself, if I've already fasted this long, and I'm only starting to reap the life extension increasing benefits, then why not go all in and fast for the entire 5 days? Do it. And that's what I did. You see, your body has developed several innate mechanisms for dealing with periods of starvation, caloric restriction and fasting. These things are slightly different with some nuances that have to be kept in mind. Starvation occurs only if your body can't access the essential nutrients it needs, which won't happen with smartly planned fasting. Caloric restriction can occur with a regular eating schedule and it has some health benefits, but the effects of fasting are almost non-existent. Strict fasting with no calories whatsoever triggers your body's hormetic adaptations which actually increase your resistance to stressful situations in the future. The reason you'd want to have these extended fasts of at least 3-5 to five days every year is that it takes at least 48 hours for your body to re-adapt to the abstinence of food 
and trigger the longevity boosting benefits. Feel how soft my skin is. Okay, let's talk about why you need to get into ketosis while fasting. Like I said, I've been following a one meal a day eating routine for nearly two years and I've been seeing great results from it. I also eat a low carb ketogenic diet. Therefore, the initial 24 hours of fasting are gonna be a walk in a park for me, so to say. The more keto adapted you are, the easier it is for your body to burn its own stored fat for fuel and the easier it is for you to fast. With contemporary eating habits like 4 to 6 small meals a day, very carbohydrate rich menus, highly palatable foods and snacks, the average person's body is almost incapable of burning fat and ketones for fuel. Your default fuel source is glucose, which can be stored in liver and muscle cells for up to 2000 calories. Your adipose tissue can deposit tens and hundreds of thousands of calories, as even people with under 10% body fat carry around about 30,000 to 50,000 calories. Body fat is food. It's energy your body can use during days when you're not eating. If you teach your body to handle only days where you eat several meals all the time, then you're preventing yourself from burning fat for fuel, or at least you slow down this process a lot. Caloric restriction on a non-ketogenic diet with plenty of carbohydrates also prevents you from establishing ketosis and reaping the benefits of a fat-burning metabolism. You're gonna burn a little bit of fat, but because your body is so used to glucose, it'll also compensate for that deficit by converting some of your muscle tissue and vital organs into glucose through gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis can occur only if your body isn't in ketosis and it can't cover its energy demands with fat and ketones. This happens because the metabolism hasn't adapted to using a fat stores. Therefore, the key to a healthy and successful fast is to establish ketosis as soon as possible and to prevent your body from entering into a semi-starved state. It also means that if you're trying to lose weight, then it would be better to avoid all calories and do strict fasting until you're lean, rather than follow a calorically restricted diet that keeps you malnourished for several months. With fasting, you can get into ketosis with a few days and you'll trigger the other benefits that can increase your longevity, whereas with restricting your food intake will downregulate your metabolic rate and thyroid. This is gonna make you moody, it's gonna lower your energy levels, and makes you exhausted. Me so hungry. Alright, let's get down to my 5-day fast. Day 1. I started my 5-day fast like I start my any other day of the week. The standard morning routine of meditation, cold thermogenesis, and some red light therapy. Every morning, I kickstart my day with some apple cider vinegar and a half teaspoon of sea salt mixed in a glass of water. This will balance my electrolytes, rehydrate my cells, and will also boost the speed at which I enter into ketosis. Apple cider vinegar has zero calories, trace amounts of potassium, some acetic acid, and a whole lot of metabolic effect. It can actually promote the creation of ketone bodies and trigger mild autophagy in the cells, which is perfect. During the actual day, I'm going to be drinking very sparingly and only when I feel thirsty. The reason being is that Keeping your electrolytes in check is one of the most important things you have to do while fasting. Fasting with nothing but pure water will make you flush out all of the minerals in your body, which can lead to muscle cramps, lethargy, exhaustion, heart palpitations and elevated cortisol. The most important electrolyte is sodium and it's the easiest to get. Your daily sodium minimum is at about 1500 to 2300 milligrams, which is 1 to 2 teaspoons of salt. If you're physically active or are sweating a lot, then you should aim for up to 4000 to 7000 milligrams, which is 4 to 5 teaspoons of salt. And to promote the absorption rate, then you should mix it with water. The RDA for potassium is 4700, but once you get enough sodium, you don't have to worry about getting any more than 2000 milligrams of potassium. Sodium is potassium sparing, and your cells will lose potassium only if you lose sodium, so get your sodium in first. Other electrolytes like magnesium, calcium, phosphorus, and chloride aren't that important during 3 to 5 days of fasts, because most of them are actually stored inside the body. Magnesium is much better absorbed through the skin than from supplements, 
That's why taking an Epsom salt bath with magnesium can be a very good idea. Taking a multivitamin is necessary only if you fast for longer than 5 to 7 days. Your ability to absorb vitamins is much lower without food anyway, so it's easier to not take any supplements. But if you really want to go hardcore, then you can take a multivitamin and see what happens. Just make sure it doesn't have any unneeded ingredients. Additional sources of electrolytes can be baking soda and apple cider vinegar. Baking soda is 100% sodium bicarbonate and one teaspoon of baking soda has 1200 milligrams of sodium. It's great for balancing the body's pH levels, fixing digestive issues and healing the kidneys. Baking soda is a natural antibacterial and antifungal agent that promotes alkalinity in the body. Apple cider vinegar is a fermented type of alcohol that has many health benefits like reduced inflammation, improved insulin sensitivity and digestion. Apple cider vinegar is zero calories but it has trace amounts of potassium and other minerals so it's great to consume while fasting. That's why I consume one cup of water with half a teaspoon of baking soda, one to two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar once or twice a day. This will also prevent kidney stones and ulcers while fasting, which may happen because of inadequate production of digestive enzymes. So you should definitely consume this baking soda and apple cider vinegar drink if you get the stomach cramps or something like that. What else can you drink while fasting? Besides drinking salted water all day, you can also consume some black coffee, sparkling water, mineral water, non-caloric teas and that's practically it. The purpose is to stay in ketosis and allow autophagy to do its work. Even as little as 50 calories or 2-3 grams of leucine can inhibit the cellular cleaning process of autophagy. That's why anything with calories, even if it comes from MCT oil, bulletproof coffee, BCAAs or exogenous ketones will potentially kick you out of a fasted state. Although you're gonna maintain ketosis, you will inhibit autophagy, which can make your efforts less worthwhile. Bone broth or collagen protein powders will definitely kick you out of a fasted state because they contain a lot of amino acids that in the presence of no calories can be insulinogenic. They can elevate insulin and thus kick you out of a fasted state. If you want to establish a ketogenic state faster, then you would want to deplete your liver glycogen stores as to promote the production of ketone bodies. That's why it's a good idea to make your last meal before fasting as low carb as possible. By the next day, you'll be in this semi-fasted state already with ketones running through your veins. That's what I do during the day. I start off with apple cider vinegar, then drink salted water only when I'm thirsty, have some baking soda in another cup of water, drink 2-3 to three cups of black coffee only when I'm hungry, some green tea and that's it. I'll just enjoy this glass of water. The danger with drinking coffee or drinking too much water is that you have to go to the bathroom more often because of that as well. If you are peeing very frequently, then you will also excrete out more electrolytes. A loss of minerals will make you feel more tired and actually predisposes you to more dehydration. That's why dry fasting can be much more effective than water fasting, because you'll hold onto your salts and you'll enter into ketosis faster. The most difficult part of any extended fast is the first 24 hours. Because your body hasn't fully switched over into a fasted state, you may experience more hunger and tiredness. This can make it difficult to fall asleep in the evening. However, if you make it through the first night, then you're off to the races and it gets a whole lot easier. Some tips for surviving the first night would be to drink a small cup of water with one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar before going to bed. This is gonna reduce hunger and lowers your blood sugar in the morning. Another pro tip I can give you is that if you want to ramp up your metabolism and raise your body temperature, then you can have a half teaspoon of cayenne pepper in your water. This is going to heat up your body and can stave off hunger. And it probably won't break a fast. In the morning of day 2, you'll probably feel slightly hungry, but not at the point of excruciating pain. There's no difference in hunger levels between fasting for 20 hours or 5 days. Your hunger levels stay the same and you won't get increasingly more hungry the longer you fast. Once your body begins to show the first signs of ketosis, it starts to use its own stored fat for fuel, which gives plenty of energy to the brain and muscles. 
your mental acuity and sharpness will actually increase because of elevated cortisol and adrenaline. While fasting for longer periods of time, it's important to stay active and keep moving. This is because you don't want your body to start wasting away your muscle tissue just because of inactivity. You don't have to do a crazy crossfit wad or run a half marathon while still fasting afterwards. Instead, you can go for long walks, do some yoga, calisthenics, and light aerobics in general. They're gonna actually boost fat oxidation and increase ketones because of converting your body fat into energy. During this entire 5-day fast, I didn't sit on a couch or anything like that. Like I said, I was traveling, and when you look at the data on my aura ring, then on average, I walked about 8 to 10 kilometers per day, which is actually twice the amount people walk when they're even eating enough calories. I did it in a completely fast state, and I felt rejuvenated. Walking is also a great way to reduce hunger. My hypothesis is that because you'll be converting more body fat into energy, you will feel as if you've consumed some actual calories, because on a metabolic level, that's exactly what happens. Body fat is food. Moving around will also get your mind out of its own rut by exposing yourself to fresh air and environmental stimuli. The problem is that although you may be this courageous fasting warrior who's willing to go hungry for several days in a row, the people around you don't, they probably don't want to hear anything about it. I mean, if the average person can't even skip their breakfast or morning coffee, then we shouldn't even mention to them not eating for 3-5 to five days. It's true that social pressures and environmental temptations can make a novice faster break very easily. They go to the mall, they smell fresh donuts, Oh, they get the cravings. Now remember, the instant you finish it, I own your soul for... They instantly give in to the temptation and they break their fast. Afterwards, they'll get a huge sugar crash that makes them feel exhausted and they'll start loathing themselves. What an idiot! How do you deal with other people cooking food around you and eating right in front of your eyes? This is purely a matter of willpower and awareness. First, you have to realize that the reason you get the cravings in the first place are purely due to you being exposed to that particular sensory stimulation. The aroma of donuts, the sizzling sound of steak, the pleasurable looks of your peers enjoying their food and having a good time. Mmm, so good. Secondly, once you've recognized that your mind has been tricked into craving for food, then you have the opportunity to manifest your willpower. The key is to start associating more pleasure with staying indomitable and to associate pain with giving in. This way, you're gonna feel better about yourself if you do manage to hold your discipline. Saying no to temptations and cravings is a skill as well as a muscle that gets stronger the more you test it. Initially, if your fat adaptation is in its infancy, you may find it more difficult, but eventually, you should reach levels of expertise that resemble putting pieces of meat in front of hungry wolves, but still not giving in. If you're able to stare at other people eating birthday cake right in front of your eyes and still continue to fast, then you're truly an expert in self-control. It literally is this exercise of putting a piece of sausage on the nose of a dog. Can I have that Milky Way? Going to bed at day two is much easier than at the first night because you've got more used to fasting. To not accidentally make yourself hungry and lethargic, you don't want to overstimulate your taste buds, which means that you actually don't want to use any artificial sweeteners or other tasty non-caloric magic drinks. Diet sodas, BCAs, exogenous ketones, alcohol, mouthwash, toothpaste, chewing gum, they have zero calories but they can still stimulate your digestive processes, which will make your mind perceive that it's actually consuming some real food. Artificial sweeteners in coke such as aspartame, sucralose, and even stevia can raise your insulin and elevate blood sugar. There are specific taste receptors located in your mouth and gut that detect sweetness and are very prone to kick you out of a fasted state, especially if you are actually fasting. Now, this doesn't apply to all people because some of them can get away with artificial sweetness and exogenous ketones. 
If you are very insulin sensitive and are already lean, then one can of diet soda drank over the course of a long time won't probably have an effect on blood sugar levels. If, however, you're diabetic or you're not very physically active, then even the sight or smell of cake may potentially raise your insulin. So you're going to have to find another exercise for testing your willpower. There are even studies showing this to be true that even imagining taking a bite of something sweet, it can create a placebo-like insulin response. So you have to be very careful with this. And I'm still working on my Coke addiction, my, my diet Coke addiction, <laughs> that is. You know? After day two, it's much easier to fast because you should be in deep ketosis. My daily liquid consumption usually looks like this. I, after I wake up, I rinse my mouth with some salt water to clean out the bacteria and such. One cup of water with one and two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar and a pinch of sea salt right after waking up. During the day, I drink one cup of water with half teaspoons of baking soda, one and two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar, and I'm going to drink it over the course of two hours or so. When I feel thirsty, I'm going to sip on some water with a pinch of sea salt, but I'm not force-feeding myself with water. At noon, I drink one to two cups of coffee. In the afternoon, I drink a cup of green tea, some sea salt maybe in there as well. If I'm feeling hungry in the evening, then I'll make a cup of decaf coffee. And before I go to bed, I drink a cup of water with one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar. In total, this will add up to 5 to 8 cups of liquids a day, and about 2,000 to 4,000 milligrams of sodium, depending on a day. Like I said, it's actually not a good idea to be drinking a whole lot of water, because it's gonna make you urinate more, and you're gonna excrete more electrolytes. You're actually gonna feel better with sipping on small amounts of liquids and then refilling yourself occasionally rather than force-feeding more water than you need. The key is to pay attention to your hydration levels by monitoring the color of your urine and the context of your saliva. If your piss is crystal clear and you're going to the bathroom every hour, then you're edging on the side of overhydration and you should dial down your liquid consumption while upping your salts. If your urine is dark yellow, brown, purple, or pure dark, then you're very dehydrated and you have to find something to drink. If your mouth is all dry and lips cracked, then you're starting to get dehydrated and you should get a few sips of water to drink. Short periods of mild dehydration can be good for the body by triggering a hormetic response. Dry fasting for several days is a class of its own and it should never be done without prior experience, but it can boost the effectiveness of the fast quite a bit if you follow it up with proper rehydration. By day 4, you should be nearing the 100 hour mark of fasting. This is a significant milestone, both in terms of the psychological achievement as well as the physiological state. A ketogenic state is often characterized by blood ketone readings of 0.5 millimoles and above. The optimal range is between 0.5 to 3.0 millimoles. Starvation ketosis begins after 3.0 millimoles and ketoacidosis occurs at 7 to 12 millimoles. Ketoacidosis is generally unachievable with eating a standard ketogenic diet. Usually, it happens in people with severe alcohol poisoning or diabetes. While fasting, you shouldn't go beyond starvation ketosis either because of your body down-regulating its own ketone production. Higher amounts of ketones aren't indicative of better metabolic health or more fat burning. In fact, people who've keto-adapted for a long time tend to show lower amounts of ketones in the blood because their body is using them for energy rather than keeping them in the blood. When I did my first 3-day fast, my blood sugar was at 64 mg per deciliter, which is termed as hypoglycemic, but my ketones were in the normal range at about 0.9 millimoles. This prevented me from passing out or falling into a coma because I was utilizing those ketones very well. Danger's my middle name. By day 4, fasting also becomes the routine. You get quite used to not eating and it has also escaped your focus of attention. Although you may start thinking about, oh, what am I going to break my fast with, the sensory temptations from your environment become less effective as well, and you may even begin to actually enjoy fasting. Being in a fasted state is a unique and profound experience. You're not feeling particularly hungry or tired, 
but your energy levels are still somewhat limited. It's a blissful state in which you enjoy the clarity of mind and heart. You're free from cravings, free from attachment to food, and free from the desire to consume something mindlessly. Fasting not only resets your taste buds from the imprisonment of processed food, but also liberates your mind from being dependent on certain types of food, even if it's healthy. Not eating for several days actually changes your relationship with food for the better. You can begin to appreciate the absence of food as you know that it makes you appreciate the presence of food afterward even more. It's like a way of reminding yourself how grateful you can be for having access to eating. Honestly, fasting for 4-5 to five days also has a spiritual component. You're almost like in this semi-transcendental state where you feel as if you're not being influenced by any attachment. And to put it bluntly, you feel like you're about to transcend the primordial soup of existence and float around in a different dimension of mind and spirit. Which sounds quite woo-woo and crazy, but that's how it feels like. By the end of day 4, I had actually returned from my traveling and I was at home. I could have easily finished my fast, because I had already accomplished quite a lot. But when I arrived at home, it was already 7pm at night. And I didn't want to go through the hassle of properly breaking the fast. It's very important to follow the right procedure when stopping fasting, because your gut needs some time to get used to food again. So, instead of randomly eating whatever and staying up all night, I wanted to savor the moment, and I broke the fast by doing everything in the correct manner. I mean, I had already fasted for 4 days, so what difference would it make to continue for another day? I, I definitely could muster enough willpower by that time. That's what I did. I pushed off immediate gratification even more, and I decided to fast for another day. At day 5, I was preparing for the one meal to rule them all. Fasting is a great way to purify your body and mind, but it can't be done indefinitely. It's not a get out of jail free card. If you're already eating a very low carb ketogenic diet with a ton of medicinal compounds, medicinal herbs, essential oils, essential fatty acids, and eating in a slight caloric deficit, then you're already getting most of the health benefits of longer fasting. The difference is that with strict fasting, you're gonna ramp up autophagy and other longevity pathways like AMPK, sirtuins and PGC1-alpha even more. Instead of eating at day 4, I decided to take a sauna instead. There are immense hormetic benefits to heat exposure and sweating that are very similar to fasting. High temperatures stimulate the lymph system which promotes autophagy, cellular purification and they're gonna trigger these heat shock proteins. It is also gonna make you sleep like a log which is why I did it at day 4. Waking up at day 5 is quite exciting and enjoyable. It's not the same as opening presents at Christmas morning, but it's actually even better. That's what I'm talking about. Who cares about these meaningless material possessions if you haven't eaten for days? You begin to appreciate even the smallest of things, like food and regular water, which is a huge happiness hack. My plan was to fast for about 120 hours before eating anything solid. Before that, I would gradually start introducing more calories into my system, so the gut could get used to it again. The morning routine was the same. Apple cider vinegar with baking soda and water, some coffee at noon, and small sips of water throughout the day. Funny enough, I actually had to go for number 2 in the bathroom at day 5. It wasn't a massive dump but it was surprising still because I still had some excrements after five days but uh, we shouldn't analyze it much more longer. This is where I would take my blood ketone readings as well to see how in deep ketosis I really am. The reason I didn't do any earlier was that I found it to be not as important because I'm already eating a ketogenic diet. My blood glucose was 2.9 millimoles which is 52 milligrams per deciliter that should be hypoglycemic, but I was still fully functional and full of energy. My blood ketones were 3.9 millimoles, which is borderline starvation ketosis. That makes sense as well, because I hadn't eaten anything for 5 days. 
and uh, my body was converting my own adipose tissue into ketones at a very rapid pace. It comes to show that even after a prolonged fast, you're not going to cause metabolic ketoacidosis on yourself, but instead, you're going to burn those ketones for energy. Alright, let's get to the most important part, how I'm going to break the fast. In the afternoon, I would drink another cup of water with one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar and hot lemon water. This is going to really ramp up the digestive enzymes and stimulate the taste buds. After I drank that, my mouth was just rejuvenated and it was so fresh. My first form of actual calories come from bone broth soup made with either chicken thighs, beef collarbones or fish fins. This is probably the best thing you can break a fast with because it's easy to digest, it has a lot of salt, plenty of essential fatty acids and amino acids and they're gonna nourish you right away. Bone broth contains collagen and glycine which are incredibly good for your skin, hair, nails, muscle tissue, the intestinal lining of your gut and a host of other things. In fact, drinking bone broth before anything else will promote the absorption of everything else to eat later as well. So it makes you absorb the micronutrients from your food better. Also, to prolong the effects of autophagy, you can add some cinnamon, ginger, turmeric, ginseng and other medicinal herbs into your bone broth. And it's gonna taste magnificent. After my first cup of bone broth, I started to feel quite good. My body and gut, they definitely warmed up. And I could feel my intestines waking up to the in intake of calories. To tell the truth, it was a very pleasant feeling, and that feeling had almost become foreign to me after 5 days. I can't recall the taste of food. Then I decided to test my physical performance as well because I felt good. I had already drunk a bit of coffee so I was quite alert and ready. Although I had consumed some bone broth, it was still the fasted workout because I didn't get any real boost of energy. I just started to feel more eager to tackle the workout. As a pre-workout, you can also take some exogenous ketones or MCT oil based pre-workout drinks. It, it was a short and not very intense session because I didn't want to put too much stress on my system. I did 5 sets of 15 to 20 pull-ups, 3 sets of 15 handstand push-ups, 5 sets of ring push-ups, 3 sets of ring dips, 3 sets of ring rows, some core and 3 sets of pistol squats. Honestly. I was able to perform at about 80% of my maximum and I could have easily pushed myself to the 95 percentile. It comes to show that your body can really tap into its internal sources of power even if you haven't eaten anything for 5 days. But what about working out at the beginning or the middle of the fast and then continuing fasting for several days? It's true that physical activity boosts ketosis and can make you burn a ton of fat but it can still become too much of a stressor on the body. You do want to stay active and use your muscles to some degree as to prevent muscle loss, but you don't want to be having a hardcore resistance training workout. To not lose muscle mass while fasting, you have to be putting some sort of stress on them. Walking, backpacking, yoga, a few sets of calisthenics, they're great exercises for stimulating the preservation of muscle mass. If you were to simply sit on your couch, or in a hospital bed without lifting a finger, then your body will quickly burn off your lean tissue. So, it's a good idea to do like 1-2 to two sets of push-ups every day to keep the flame alive. Unless you're desperately trying to lose like over 30 pounds of fat, then I wouldn't bother with working out in a fasted state and then continuing to fast for several days because you may experience a huge slump in energy. Another pro tip. If you're moving around a lot or exercising, then you can take a little bit of exogenous ketones around your activity times. Like 1 grams of beta-hydroxybutyrate salts won't kick you out of a fast state, but they can give you some additional electrolytes. I'm using Perfect Keto BHB base salts and you can get a 20% discount if you use the code SEAMLUND. The links are in the show notes. But let's get back to how I break my fast. Let's eat! After the first cup of bone broth, I'll probably go and drink another cup because it's, it's delicious and uh, I really want to warm up my gut before eating anything solid. Then the next food source should be something probiotic. My favorites are pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi or kombucha. 
They're great to start off with because they're going to feed the good microbiome and create a pro-digestive intestinal environment. There's also a difference between pro and prebiotics. Probiotics are strands of beneficial bacteria living in your gut that help to absorb nutrients and support the immune system. Probiotic foods include kefir, yogurt, coconut kefir, sour cream, tempeh, miso, pickles, apple cider vinegar, olives, raw cheese, kombucha and sauerkraut. Prebiotics are non-digestible food ingredients that the probiotics can eat. They're utilized by the gut to promote the growth of good bacteria and they're going to aid digestion. Inulin is a soluble fiber that has many prebiotic properties. Foods rich in inulin are garlic, onions, asparagus, artichokes, chicory root, raw bananas and leeks. When breaking a fast, I'll be eating about one cup of probiotics, followed up by a few prebiotics like raw garlic or onions. But man cannot live on just sauerkraut and water alone. Which would be ironic after having fasted for five days. But I digress. Next to the fermented foods, you want to also get some essential amino acids and fatty acids. Protein is the most important macronutrient for survival and weight loss, so you should get something easily digestible. My favorite and probably the best sources of protein are eggs and fatty fish. They have all the essential amino acids and fatty acids in abundance. Although meat is highly nutritious and healthy, it wouldn't be the ideal food to break a fast with right away. The first actual meal that I broke my fast with was very low carb and ketogenic because I want to prolong my state of ketosis even further. In fact, refeeding on carbohydrates immediately may cause an abrupt weight gain because of sodium retention. Here's what I usually eat. 2 to 4 fried eggs with all kinds of herbs, pepper, curry and salt. 1 to 2 cups of steamed vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, spinach cabbage, 1 to 2 teaspoons of olive oil, and a half an avocado. If I'm not having the eggs, then my go-to choice would be salmon or herring because they have a similar fatty acid profile that includes omega-3s, DHA, and EPA. And those things are the most crucial nutrients for the brain and cellular metabolism. After I consume my first meal, I'm gonna let it sit for a while and allow my body to digest it. This is the point where you either start to feel increasingly more nourished or more exhausted. If you get tired all of a sudden, then it may be because of rushing in with too high volume foods. In that case, wait about an hour before eating anything further and consume some more bone broth. If you feel alright and everything looks good, then wait for 30 to 60 minutes after your first meal before eating anything else. If however, you get the sudden disaster pants and have to run to the bathroom, then you can take some activated charcoal, have like a half cup of lemon water and continue eating after 30 to 60 minutes. Shit. Getting brief diarrhea after long fasts is quite normal and it happens just because your gut hasn't readapted to food quite yet. And this too shall pass. Shit. The next meals you should be consuming are practically the same with some nuances. When the first one was strict low carb keto, then in the second one, you can include a bit of starch, like carrots, turnips, beetroot, potatoes, rice and quinoa. If you're doing a ketogenic diet, then the potatoes and rice are out of the question, but you can still eat more of the same stuff you did before. Veggies, salads, nuts, seeds, avocados and protein. Your source of protein on the second meal should ideally be fish, like salmon, mackerel, herring, sardines or trout. Here you can also start introducing meat like beef, steak, pork or chicken. Eating some organ meats like liver, heart or tongue is a great idea because they're extremely high in micronutrients and vitamins. But if you don't have access to these kinds of foods, then you can also take some liver supplements and organ meat supplements. I recently found this brand Ancestral Supplements and they have these bone marrow, beef liver, beef heart, thyroid, thalamus, those kinds of supplements and they're incredibly nutritious and whenever I'm not getting these organ meats into my diet then I definitely do make sure that I supplement them every day so you can get a 15% discount code in the show notes Oh right, the steak! What about desserts? Chances are that you don't want to be consuming anything more than one to two main courses on the day you break your fast 
Although you would think that you've turned into a ravenous rhinoceros who's gonna eat everything in the fridge, then the opposite actually happens. At first, it's very difficult to eat large quantities of food because your gut has shrunk during the fast and you also lost your appetite. It may even be that you're gonna get very tired of eating and you wanna fall asleep. That's normal and nothing to be afraid of. If, however, you wanna reward yourself with a small treat, then you can also have some desserts. Here are the best healthy options. Some sugar-free jello with blueberries, whipped cream and cinnamon. You can also maybe make some fat bombs with almond butter, some sesame seeds, cottage cheese with berries, coconut flakes and poppy seeds, flaxseed cookies, or simply some dark chocolate with raw hot cacao. Eating desserts, even on keto, isn't something unachievable. The sky really is the limit, and you can successfully swap out some of the ingredients from the traditional menu with low-carb ketogenic ones. You can find more of those keto-friendly recipes from my Keto IF program. And this also raises the question of how much food should you actually eat? After 5 days, you think that you can eat everything you want in unlimited amounts, but the real answer may be quite surprising. So let's do the math. In my own example, my basal metabolic rate is at about 1800 calories. To get my daily caloric homeostatic balance, I'd have to add on top of it my activity levels such as working out, walking and other daily fidgeting. During my fast, I was very active throughout the entire day. Like I said, I walked 8 to 10 kilometers of every day and on one day I even walked 14 kilometers. This would have set my caloric needs at around 2200 calories per day. If you multiply 22 with 5, you get an 11,000 calorie deficit which is huge. One pound of body fat has 3,500 calories. I should have lost three pounds of fat. At the start of the fast, I weighed 174 pounds, which is 78.5 kilograms. And at day five, I was 165 pounds, which is 75 kilograms. I lost about three kilograms or 10 pounds, which most of it was probably water and glycogen. So I didn't lose that much muscle or something like that. It may look like it, but it was mostly just water weight. On the day I broke my fast, I actually ate around my daily maintenance and I stuck around 2000 to 2200 calories. The reason is that after such a long fast, my metabolic rate will have slightly down-regulated itself due to the absence of food. It's also a good idea to eat slightly less because you don't want to put too much digestive strain on the intestines. If you ate dinner a few hours before going to bed, then it may be that you'll end up going to bathroom for number two, which, which is normal again. Oh, shit. You may actually end up losing a lot more weight in the post-feeding stage the next day because your metabolic rate will experience a huge boost. It may even be that you're going to have to eat more food just to replenish your nutrients. On day 2 of eating again, you should eat slightly above your maintenance as to nourish your body and restore your energy. A small surplus of 200 calories is more than enough to rev up your metabolism and thyroid functioning again. What you do on day 3 of eating depends on your body composition and your goals. If you are overweight and you have more than 20 pounds to lose, then you can immediately go for another extended fast for 3 to 5 days. Your body fat is food and a second fast will be that much easier. Obese or diabetic people, they shouldn't be eating any carbs until their condition gets better. Fasting is a great cure for that as well. But this is still not professional medical advice, so you should consult your doctor first. If you're already lean and at 10% body fat, then you can swap over to the one meal a day or the warrior diet with daily intermittent fasting and you're gonna fast for 16 to 22 hours every day. The same applies to physically very active people. Your next extended fast of 3 to 5 days should be in a month or two. Whatever goals you have, you don't need to be eating any more than 2 meals a day. Alright, let's do some recapping. I'm gonna pull some data and take a look at my results. My starting weight was 174 pounds, 78.5 kilograms, and I was at about 10 to 12 percent body fat. My ending weight was 165 pounds, 75 kilograms, and about 8 to 10 percent body fat. 
The fast lasted for 120 hours. My average daily step count was 10,000 to 17,000 steps per day, which is 8 to 14 kilometers. My average sleep score was magnificent, 88 to 92. My average heart rate was 34 beats per minute, which is very low. Yeah, it might look like extremely low, but I already have quite a slow heart rate. And on normal days, when I do eat, I get about 39 to 43 beats per minute. Fasting simply lowered my overall energy levels, which slowed down my heartbeat even more. But uh, that's quite normal for me. Heart rate variability dropped slightly during the fast as well. My average HRV scores are between 120 to 130. But during the fast, I got 100 to 110, so it's a slight decrease, which probably happened because of the increased stress. Psychological well-being, it increased by about twofold, because I really started to appreciate even a warm cup of tea in my hands, which was a very nice feeling. That's my best takeaway from this 5-day fast as well. Abstaining from food for even just a few days completely reconceptualizes your relationship with what you eat, how you associate yourself with hunger and your appreciation for eating anything. Fasting is also a great tool for overcoming any form of addictions, whether that be sugar, processed food, ice cream, alcohol, coffee or just eating in general. After day 3, I simply lost all attachments to everything. It was indeed like I was transcending the primordial soup of existence because I was in this such a blissful state. I did had low levels of energy and I carried around this transient feeling of an empty stomach but other than that I could have easily dropped dead at the spot and not give a damn about it. It was like everything was okay. It was okay that I hadn't eaten in days. It was okay that I didn't get to work out. It was okay that I didn't get to make more content online. And it was okay that I felt cold and tired. I think fasting shouldn't be done for just healing your body, but for also healing your mind. It's important to quote-unquote fast from everything, like social media, sex, alcohol, tobacco, central heating, entertainment, and even water just so you could become independent of those things, just so you could remain unaffected by their absence and appreciate their presence. That's why I'm definitely going to practice daily intermittent fasting as well as implement these longer 3-5 to five day fasts a couple times per year. The next one I'm going to have is going to be probably at the end of summer or before Christmas, so stay tuned for that. During the fast, I also polled my audience on my YouTube community page. I let them ask a bunch of frequently asked questions about extended fasting and such. So I'm gonna answer them here, rapid fire. Do you take supplements while fasting? On regular 3-5 to five day fast, there's not much point in taking supplements if you're getting your electrolytes in. Sodium and potassium are the most important ones and your body will compensate for the others. If you're fasting for longer than 5 days, then taking a multivitamin is a good idea. Why can't I sleep while doing long fasts or when I'm eating keto? It probably has to do with lack of electrolytes and dehydration. Headaches, palpitation and increased heart rate are also caused by this. You can also take some baking soda with apple cider vinegar and see how you will react. How long is it good to fast at low levels of body fat? Well, it depends on your activity levels and how lean you are. If you're already under 10% body fat, then fasting for longer than 5 to 7 days should be the limit. But if you're above 10% body fat, then you don't have nothing to worry about. Body fat is food. Does adding stevia to coffee break a fast? Theoretically, it shouldn't, but artificial sweeteners are still very sweet, and they can stimulate the release of insulin. It depends on your insulin sensitivity and blood sugar levels. There's also the thing that people who want to add stevia to their coffee, they're usually women and uh, women, they're not as insulin sensitive as men would be and they don't have that much muscle mass so they're more susceptible to getting kicked out of a fast state just because they put some stevia in their coffee. So I would, if I were to be safe, then I would simply drink their coffee black. 
and also things like heavy cream or butter that are definitely going to break a fasting state. How to prevent muscle loss and maximize fat loss? You, you would want to stay active and walk around. You do one to two sets of easy calisthenics every day and you consume apple cider vinegar one to two times a day. How to not binge after an extended fast? Make sure you get enough electrolytes during the fast and start off by consuming more bone broth followed by vegetables. In between your meals, you should walk around and take some breaks. How to avoid stomach aches and cramps? You should drink that baking soda and apple cider drink one to two times per day. It's gonna break down your kidney stones, helps with gallstones and uh, promotes digestion in general. It is truly a miracle potion. But my question to you is, when will you have your next long fast? What's the longest you've actually gone without food? Have you actually abstained from eating any longer than a day? Whatever the case may be, fasting can be used as a very effective tool for improving body composition and health. It's one of the easiest miracle drugs that will heal your body and your mind. Before you start practicing these longer fasts, you have to come to terms with your medical condition and consult your physician. All the responsibility is on you and not your doctor, not your parents, not me or your cat. Everything is on your shoulders. But if you want to learn more about how to practice long intermittent fasting, then check out my YouTube videos, blog posts, listen to this podcast again and consider getting my Keto IF program. It comes with the exact blueprint of how to become fasting adapted and implement it with the ketogenic diet. So the links are in the show notes. So this is the end of this podcast. Finished my five-day fast. Gonna have another one soon. But if you want to support this podcast, then make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and uh, other social media platforms. It definitely helps a ton. And it's gonna spread the message of becoming more efficient with the food that we're eating. And to become more mindful of how we eat as well. So... It's, it's winning all over the place. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you leave us a review. Contact me on my Facebook group as well if you have any closer questions. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay fast adapted. Stay empowered.